Thank you, Madeline. I know that good things await you for doing that. Uh, good things await. I've seen them. Um, I invite you to bow your heads with me as we begin this morning. Lord, I pray that you will now again be with us. We know that you are here, but I pray that you will break me, that you will remove me from the equation, and that your word will speak today. So open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us. We ask these things in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. We have been looking over the course of time at a uh, discipleship, we've been in a discipleship sermon series. And we've been spending the last few weeks talking about what discipleship means. And Pastor Walt last week spent some time talking about the proof of concept, the fact that there's even people who want to follow Jesus is quite a testimony to the fact that Jesus may be real and is real in our lives. And today we're going to look at the connection between trust and fear. Blessed is the man. hey There it is. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Don't worry. I can read it right here. And whose hope is in the Lord. So today we'll be looking at discipleship versus fear. And all that work I did on my slides is out the window. So anyway, bear with us. Um, just a quick thing. If you just sort of wiggle and leave wires alone, it may come back. Um, oh, oh, oh. Don't move. Okay. Nobody breathe. All right. So everybody, you're going to be left-leaning today, uh, whatever that means. Sorry, that came out of my mouth, and I realized what I was saying. Please. <laughs> I did that especially for my family that's over here. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, it's gone again. So I'm going to have to just put, push, push on and deal with it. So today we are looking at fear. Trust is eroding. My trust in technology is currently eroding at this very moment. Trust is eroding in our culture. It's eroding in our society. I turn on the news, and I hear about the other channel's fake news. I hear about the other news outlet's misrepresentation. We are losing our trust. Trust in everything. Our trust in our leaders and politicians. Our trust in society and culture and what, what, what's happening around us. Trust is eroding. It is going away. Yet it is so vital in our lives. That tree that Madeline read about that survives the drought because there is, because it trusts that God will provide. Trust is powerful, yet trust is eroding. I can remember, there's stories I found on the internet, there's stories about, I can remember from my childhood, about the trust that children will place in their parents, or will place in somebody of authority. They'll place trust in it, particularly with a dad. Us boys at times will trust our dad, and we'll just fling ourselves off of whatever object we're standing on when we're small, 
I do not trust my dad in this way anymore. Nor any of you, for that matter, really, so it's even. Um, We trust a small child will throw himself into the air, throw herself out into the air and say, Daddy, catch me. And Daddy turns around and sees a child suspended, yet falling at them with the speed of light, and they do all that they can to catch this child because the child has extreme trust. Yet our trust is eroding. We are losing that. We are losing our trust. So the question for today, the question that we are asking ourselves is, do I trust Jesus enough to give it all to him? Do I trust Jesus enough to give it all to him? Not some, not a part, not a fraction, to give it all. I heard this amazing statement this morning in our pre-service huddle and worship. And I said, man, that's an amazing statement, and then promptly forgot it, and the person who said it couldn't remember it either. But this is what I mostly remember. The call of discipleship. When I'm asking, what does it mean to be a disciple? Jesus is asking us three things. He's asking us to come, he's asking us to grow, and then he's asking us to go. This is what it means to be a disciple. This is what it means to have a disciple life, to to come to Jesus when you hear that call, to then follow in what he teaches, and then to walk alongside another and go with them on a journey. And today we're going to kind of look at the go aspect of discipleship. What does it mean to go? So we're going to look at that in the context of trust and fear. Elijah was an amazing prophet in the Old Testament and did incredible things. When I read the stories of Elijah, I am blown away by what he was able to do through God's power. And one of the best stories, one of the best stories of Elijah is that day that they walked up with all the prophets of Baal on the top of Mount Carmel. And if you ever have the chance to go to Israel, to the Holy Land, and stand there, it is powerful to read this story on top of Mount Carmel. It is powerful to read this. And so, if you don't know the story, the basic premise of the story is there's prophets of Baal on one side and Elijah on the other. Elijah alone is the last remaining prophet faithful to God. Everybody else has walked away, and they are having a test. It is a day of testing, and they're like, let's go up to the mountain, let's offer sacrifices, I will give you all day to go ahead and pray to your God and bring fire down and burn the offering. And so this happens, they set up the altar, they put an offering on it, and then they begin to dance around and do all sorts of crazy things all day long, and nothing happens. That's the story. Elijah spent some time so confident, so confident in what's about to happen that he begins to mock and ask questions. The Bible says, uh, is your God sleeping? Cry louder. Is your God, can he not hear you? Is maybe your God in the bathroom? 
this is what Scripture says. And so Elijah has so much confidence, but yet I love his prayer. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36, this is what it says. It says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So all day long, the prophets of Baal have been unsuccessful. And then at the time of the evening sacrifices, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. What a prayer of trust. And I look at Elijah and I say, Lord, help me to be an eighth, a fraction of that kind of believer, to have the trust to sit down and to kneel down and pray this beautiful prayer that they will hear the word of the Lord, that the people will know that God is truly God. This is a disciple on his knees crying out for those who have turned, intercessing for those who have left God and saying, Lord, I know it's going to happen because you have turned their hearts back to you. Don't miss that. God has come in and said, I am going to turn your hearts back to me. If you do not resist, I will turn your hearts back to me. This is what the call of the discipleship is, is to come. It is that God is saying, listen, if you just come, if you just turn and cry out, maybe not even turn, if you just cry out and say, Lord, he will turn our heart. And so Elijah prays this prayer of trust. An amazing moment where he exudes this amount of trust that is hard to imagine. It is hard to imagine the amount of faith and confidence that he would have to have to stand there and mock and be kind of a little bit arrogant. I'm not going to lie. I was reading it, you know, just again this morning. And it was just like, man, I'm talking about trust, but he comes off a little arrogant at times. But he believes, he knows, he trusts that God can do and will do what he is hoping and so he has this battle. He wins the battle. And God sends the rain back. It had been three years since rain had fallen. God sends the rain back. And Elijah has just had this victory. I feel that if I had one event in my life that came even close to this, I would be set for the rest of my life. I feel like my confidence, like my trust and faith would be so grounded and so just confirmed that I would have no problems whatsoever. But there is something that can erode even the trust of Elijah. And so as he runs back 
as he runs ahead of King Ahab back to the town, as he gets there, he begins to hear rumblings that King Ahab's wife, Jezebel, is seeking to kill him. And his faith begins to erode because of fear. When he saw this, when he heard what Jezebel was going to do, he arose and ran for his life. Prophets of Baal, lightning from heaven, rain, running for his life. It took just a couple days. I'm thinking I'm set for the rest of my life. It took a couple days for Elijah to begin to doubt and fear that his trust in God that had just been affirmed in the most magnificent way was eroding and he was losing his trust in God. A key to discipleship is that we keep our trust firmly planted in Jesus. We trust that he will do what he says he will do. So Elijah became afraid and ran for his life. I've heard somebody repeat a quote from, I believe, Reagan a lot. You know, the idea of like, trust but verify. Trust but verify. We just so doubt. It's so in our, in our hearts to doubt. There, there was a young man who was running a watermelon stand in the hot summer of California. It can be wherever you want it to be. It doesn't matter. But he was running a watermelon stand. Beautiful, homegrown watermelons. And this was years ago because he was selling them for a dollar and ten cents. And this, this man comes up, a, a friend of his, a, a friend of his family that he'd known for years comes up and it was like, son, I want to buy a watermelon from you. He's like, great. They're a dollar and ten cents. And so the man reaches into his pocket and pulls out a dollar bill, reaches into his other pocket and cannot find any more cash or change or nothing. And he's like, all I've got is a dollar. And the boy looks up, knowing him all his life, and says, that's okay. I trust you for the 10 cents. So the man is like, awesome, thank you. So he picks up the watermelon. He takes his dollar bill, and he walks out the door. And as he's getting to the door, the young, young man is like, dude, you took the dollar. He like, turns to him and is like, but you said you trusted me for the 10 cents. If you trust me for the 10 cents, do you not trust me for the dollar? He's like, you don't really trust me. All you're doing is placing a 10 cent bet on my integrity to come back. We do this so often with God. We say I trust, but we hold on to something. We do not give it all to God. There is a great story 
in the New Testament, a parable of Jesus that is applicable, very applicable to our lives because it speaks of a time that in between time, the time between when Jesus was here and when he's coming back. Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to spend the rest of our time kind of unpacking this aspect of how our fear erodes our trust and how that impacts our discipleship. Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 14. Matthew says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So this is Jesus telling this parable to to this group of people that's there saying, it comes right after the parable of the ten, ten virgins and the, and the wedding, and they're, they're ready, five are ready, five are not. And, and so it's, it's this look at this time of when the bridegroom is returning. And so this man traveling far away represents Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to be going away, and I will be gone for a while, but I will come back. And so in this process... He gives his servants some things. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 15, the first part of it says, And to one he gave five talents, to the other two talents, and to the third he gave one talent. It's easy to look and say, well, that just isn't fair. If I were to call up three young children... Don't come up because I have nothing for you. But if I were to call them up and give one of them five cookies and one of them two cookies and one of them one cookies, I can guarantee you some would go away saying, that Pastor Tim, he's mean and unfair. But in this story, get the hyperbole that is being told because a talent, and I'm, a talent is a lot of money. If you look up in different commentaries, it can be anywhere from 16 years worth of wages to 20 years worth of wages. If somebody were to come into this room right now and say, Tim, I'm going to give you 20 years worth of wages right here, right now, I would be happy. If any of you want to test that theory, feel free. I'm right here. I would be okay with that. If he came up to someone over here, if he came up to Malcolm and said, Malcolm, I'm going to give you two 20 years worth of wages, so 40. I'd be like, sweet, I don't even care. I got 20 years worth of wages. I can do a lot with that. If he came over here to Carlene and said, Carlene, I'm going to give you what would that be? Uh, I'm saying 20, so that'd be 100 years worth of wages. I'm going to give you 100 years worth of wages. I'd be okay with that because I can do a lot with my 20. My 20 years worth of wages. So God gives, so in this parable, the, the, the master gives five talents to one, two to another, and one to the last one. 
trust is being given. And in this story, these people, these servants, are to use these talents. They are to use the things that have been given them by their master to benefit something. And so, as we know the story, the master comes back, and the one with five has done great things with his five talents and has produced five more. The one with two talents has done great things with his talents and has produced two more. If we look at God being involved in the talents that we have, it doesn't matter how much we're given, the return is always great. Each of them returned 100%. If I took my 20 years worth of wages and could produce 100% more, I would be ecstatic, ecstatic. Carlene's sitting on 200 years worth of wages. Carlene, will you be my friend? Please. It, the return is the same. It still is 100%. God has come in and given these servants the ability to produce 100% more, except for the one. Except for the one. Because the Bible says in verse 18 of Matthew 25, but he, the one who had received one, went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, And I was, what? I was afraid. Fear erodes trust. When we fear, when we have fear come into our lives, it will erode the great things that we have seen happen in our past. Elijah's fear was eroded by one little death threat. By one little death threat after he called fire down from heaven, and rain from the clouds. After he prayed and saw what God was doing, fear eroded his trust, and he found himself hiding in a cave. After running a hundred miles on one loaf of bread, that's where Elijah found himself. This, This servant finds himself afraid, and so he takes his shovel and digs a hole in the ground and buries the treasure. Now, this is a thing that happened a lot. There's another parable that talks about a field with buried treasure in it. We go and dig for buried treasure all the time. We look for maps that have X that, t- that mark the spot where the buried treasure is. We love buried treasure. Burying treasure is not the worst thing to do except when we're burying the things that God has given us. When we take the things that God has given us and we take our shovels and we dig in the ground and we dig a hole saying, Lord, you've given me something, but it just it's, it's not fair. I don't have quite the talent that this person has or I've, it's just not as good. I'm going to bury it. I'm going to keep it safe. It's, it's going to be here when you come back. It's going to be good. I'm going to bury it. When fear enters our lives, 
we reveal the things that we should conceal and conceal the things that we should reveal. When we are digging and burying this talent, this man that is digging and burying his talent is revealing his fear. The fact that he is afraid, he is revealing this and saying, I am afraid and so I'm going to bury this talent as opposed to saying, I'm going to reveal the good things that God has given me and I'm going to bury my fear in the ground because I will not let that rule my life. So I say to you, put down your shovels. If you find yourself doing this, if you find yourself feeling afraid or something, put down your shovel. Stop digging holes to bury the good things that God has given you. Put down your shovels. God's call to us. God's call to us to go. He's called us to come. He's called us to stay and grow, and he's told us to go into the world. And these servants, in their discipleship journey, as they sat there, as they were given these great things, they were to use them in that time in between. We live in that time in between. I believe we live on the back edge of the time in between. God has called us to be disciples. He's called us to share, and he's given us these talents, these abilities. He's given us these resources, these things that we can be using for God. But yet, out of fear, we often will just bury it and say, God, I can't possibly be the one. It can't possibly be me that you want to do anything good. It can't possibly be me. But friends, God is calling. God is calling and is saying, look at what I've done. See these stories. See how I've worked in your life. Begin to build your trust in Jesus. Begin to build your trust in me, he says. Begin to let your fear go. The Bible talks about fear and about letting it go not giving us a spirit of fear. In the letter to Timothy, he's like, I've not given you a spirit of fear. In Isaiah, it's like, do not fear. We should not be fearing God and what he may or may not do to us. We should be praising God. Because when we bury, when we allow our fear to enter, we reveal our fear and conceal the promises that God has given us. When we, re- bury, when we reveal our fear and bury things, we bury the providence that God has shown in our lives. We bury the promises that he's given us and the power that he has given us. Put down your shovel and trust that God is giving you great ability to work for him. That God has given you a task. That God has given you something. This is not a call to end that announcement, if you were here at the beginning, of needing people in to teach in our Sabbath schools or to fill any position. This is not a sermon to end with that plea. 
but it could be. God has given us things to do. Do we have one thing that we can do for Christ? Because I know that when we are working and doing and involved, it brings connection. It brings connection in community, and it brings connection with Christ. The call of discipleship to come and know Jesus, to grow with him and to walk along beside another. This is what discipleship is. So the question is, do I trust Jesus enough to give it all to him? I hope that you can say, I will trust. I will trust Jesus and I will give it all. I will give it all, all to Jesus. I will experience, I will live in the trust and believe the promises that he has given. And I will put down my shovel, I will stop digging holes, and I will let my fear go. And I will trust in Jesus. This is the call that God has given us as disciples. To come, to grow, to go. Trusting in him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that our trust will not be eroded by fear. I pray that we will answer that call, that we will be disciples, and we will put down our shovels, stop digging holes, and walk beside you. So this is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him o'er and o'er. Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Yes, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Simply taking, taking life and rest 
The word of God in Proverbs 3, chap, uh, chapter 3, verse starting with verse 5, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Let us bow our heads. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, but if I'm honest, it is really hard to do it. And so we come with both of those things to you, Lord, having this desire to trust you in everything and not be afraid, yet we live in a world where we don't trust things we don't see. But even in all of that, God, you can step in. And you can do and continue to do as you have done in the past things that teach us to trust you with everything. And so as we are challenged with the question, do you trust him? Do we trust you with everything? By faith we say yes. And when we struggle and when we fall and when we trust in our own wisdom, God, forgive us. But be right there to pick us up and remind us that this is not a destination. It is a journey to learn to trust you more and more every day. We pray this prayer for ourselves. We pray this for our family. We pray this for our community and for our world, Lord, to trust in you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us in-house and online. We are so excited to have you here. We wish you a happy Sabbath, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. And don't forget, challenge yourself to think about where you don't trust God and say, God, I want to trust you in that area. Happy Sabbath.
Washed away. 